The following podcast may contain adult language and an abundance of salt. So get ready, nerds, because we're watching Highlander 1 through 3. But remember, there can be only one good movie. Hello, this is Leonard Nimoy, and it is my pleasure to take you on an amazing journey into a world of fantasy and adventure. The world of the Highlander. Welcome to the Salty Nerd Podcast, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the Highlanders, uh, Highlander movies, one through three. And uh, we're going to have a great time with this one. So get ready, because we've been really looking forward to this. This is a coronavirus version of the Salty Nerd Podcast. We've had some exposure within the crew, so we're doing everything we can to keep everybody safe. Everybody is completely healthy and fine, so you guys don't have to worry about us. But we just want to make sure we're taking some precautions before we go to the Star Trek convention coming up in a couple of weeks. We want to make sure everybody's nice and clean and healthy before we go. I am joined, as always, by my fantastic panel of nerds, starting with the barbarian space viking, Mr. Vader himself. What's up, sir? Oh, I'm just really pumped. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed because we're not all there together right I now. I know, me too. Because yeah. let me tell you something. These, the, second two, the second of these three movies, is it absolutely <laughs> needs... Um, as much vodka and um, <laughs> and 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 whiskey Scotch. as we can possibly uh, consume. Are you all, yes. all out of booze at your house, Vader? I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's just uh, <laughs> this that this is definitely a a, a drink worthy uh, set of movies. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of drinks while I was watching them. Yes, mm. for sure. S- speaking of the drinker herself. Miss Jude, Hello. even when I'm not in the studio, I still catch you trying to take a sip. <laughs> Welcome, Jude. How are I you doing? problems. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good, good. And of course, the hardest working nerd I know, Mr. Kadish. Welcome, sir. Yeah, it's a real shame that we couldn't have everyone in the studio, but, um, you know, um, Jude and I are fully vaccinated and um, we had like a issue where someone who lives in with us has my child yeah. has coronavirus yeah, yeah. he tested positive he's okay he's asymptomatic but we didn't want to risk exposing anyone else uh to our plague ridden house yeah so uh we're, plague. We're, we're, we're we're doing this special kind of like thing where you know jude and i are in the studio but vader and alex unfortunately have to kind of call in from home so it, it's yeah. this weird virtual podcast that we're not used to doing yeah so we're in our own we're uh, we're in our own sub basements yes yeah yes because so. <laughs> if we're going to catch corona from somewhere it's going to be from the goddamn convention not from each yeah. other right. yeah exactly <laughs> but also we want kidding. to make sure that we can actually go to the convention like i would hate for it like we've been looking forward to this and planning it for almost a year now yeah. Like being able to go to the Star Wars or Star Trek convention is is going to be the highlight, I think, of our year as far as the podcast goes. So we want to make sure everybody's nice and healthy before we go. That way we don't have to worry about spreading it there or spreading it to each other. We're good. we got a couple of weeks before that happens. So I think we'll be all right. All right, guys, let's get into it. Um, <clears throat> reminder, we're going to start off with the first Highlander movie. Uh, but before we do, we're going to take a break to listen to some sponsors. We'll be right back. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Planning on traveling this summer? 
Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Money is the number one cause of stress and the number two cause of divorce. Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but Facet helps you with today. You get a dedicated financial planner that guides you through every financial decision. Inflation, interest rates, stock market changes, home prices. How do you figure it all out? Well, every advisor at Facet is a certified financial planner and fiduciary. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. It's about taking care of your money so you can start living a better life today. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit TryFacetWealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T-Wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, if you'd like to support the podcast, go to SaltyNerdClub.com. There you can find our Patreon page, and you can get exclusive access to all kinds of really cool stuff. We have behind-the-scenes photos. We have exclusive pods. We have... Uh, blooper reels. And also we're uh, adding a new section to our discord app, which is exclusive just for Patreon members. So you can hang out with the other supporters and talk about the podcast, talk about movies that you want us to watch and all kinds of cool stuff. And you get to chat with the hosts themselves. I'm always there. Vader's there a lot. Jude pops in every once in a while with some gifts and memes, <laughs> but uh, we have a great time. So go to saltynerdclub.com and join the salty nerd club and uh, join us and help support the podcast so we can make awesome content for you. All right, let's get into this. Jude Highlander, the first movie. Mm -hmm. Take it away. All right. What is this movie all about? 1986 Highlander, rated R with a runtime of one hour, 56 minutes. This had a budget of $16 million. What do you guys think it brought into the box office? Um, 75 million. Vader? I wouldn't even be able to guess I, I i have no idea because to me this movie's just it's a cult classic but i don't i don't know if it did good in the theaters or not 50 million sean connery's in it that doesn't matter <laughs> 150 million okay so the budget was 16 million this little gem brought in 12 million dollars no, okay. see i was i was right the first time yeah, yeah. you should have gone with your gut are you ready yeah. for the synopsis go for it all right Connor MacLeod of Clan MacLeod is an immortal Scottish Highlander exiled from his home in the 16th century. Today, he's Russell Nash, an antique dealer. He's had many lives and loved several blonde ladies. And one time, a Spanish Sean Connery trained him in the art of swordsmanship. He spent centuries fighting other immortals and getting more powerful. And when it's down to him and Kurgan, the only other remaining immortal, there can be only one. Oh my gosh, this movie, guys. So I've seen it like once or twice, but a long time ago, and I completely forgot about most oh my of this God, movie. Really? Yeah. Once or twice? Once or twice. This is not I've never something seen that's... it before. This is a first see, watch for me. See, and that's what I was super interested in. I have seen this movie probably 50 times. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is, yeah, this is like 
this is like right in my zone yeah, of like this, this movie weird had, 80s movies that I just love. You this know? is on my list of movies that I'm ashamed to say I had never seen before. Right. right. So I, was, I feel like I should have seen this a million times before. That. I was super curious what you specifically were going to think about this movie because you like movies that are yeah. like this. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's I, I didn't realize it had done so poorly. Right. 12 million. Yeah, that's I, I that's mean, bizarre to me. Honestly, none of them have done so great that it's 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 right. unfathomable why there are so many of them, especially <laughs> considering that there can only be one. Plus a TV series <laughs> yeah. that went for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to watch the fourth installment last night and just we just quit. <laughs> so this um I think Sean Connery is what makes this movie a cult classic because his character is so absurd. He's like, my name is Juan Ramirez. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Egyptian. You've got a a Scottish guy playing the Spanish guy. (laughs) And from Egypt. And a French guy playing a Scotsman. Oh, my God. The whole thing is so absurd. absurd. Good word. Yes. But but, but what's even more absurd is Sean Connery's character is originally an Egyptian. Yeah. Who becomes a Spaniard. Yes. Yeah. And and who speaks with a Scottish accent. Yes. (laughs) So great. I love it. I was born 2,400 years ago <laughs> in Egypt. I've had three wives, which tells you a lot about women. Makiko. My, my yeah. yeah, my last wife was Japanese. That's why I carry a katana. It's just, it's so ridiculous. It's so good. It's so funny. And that, like, like the rules in this movie are kind of, they, it makes me laugh too. Because, you know, the, the famous line, there can be only one, mm-hmm. except for the other nine I haven't told you about. Except already. for, uh, well, there's me and also <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> and well, the Russian, there's a bunch. The, they're in a they're in a tournament. There can only yeah. be one at the end. Yeah, I also. Yeah, think but when's go ahead. when's the end though? When, when there's only one. <laughs> okay. And then we recycle. When, when when the gathering happens and whoever's left, they mm-hmm. all go to New York City and they hang out, drink some beers, and then they cut each other's heads off. Yeah. It's, it's not that complicated, <laughs> yeah. man. That one guy, he, he was just like, he couldn't wait for the gathering. He had to approach him in know, a parking right? garage. That yeah. parking garage fight scene was glorious, though. I loved you know, it. And you, have the, and you have a lot more of, the, of, of these guys that, over the years, they're all kind of like just randomly meet around the world. Uh-huh. And, you know, and they, he's like, okay, well, we're here together, so I guess we have to cut. One of us has to lose a head. Yeah. Unless so it's the other crap. one can... Yes, the other one can suck your so we can suck your uh, power in, you know, because yeah, they're immortal, basically all immortal. They're all, they're all basically energy vampires, yes. you know, yeah. essentially. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's just. So can I ask a question then? So if of course. Sean Connery's one of the immortals, mm-hmm. and uh, why is he bothering to train somebody who eventually would have to kill him if they both survive? You know what, Alex? That is a fair question, and I think <laughs> the answer to that is there can be only one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't want. He doesn't want it to be easy. You don't want it to be easy in the end. You have That's, to have a good fight. Yeah, great. You know. So th- there is actually a reason for, for I, that. I'll leave it to you to have researched. No, no, this no. There, there, there is movie. a little bit. Yeah. So ba- basically, whoever wins uh, the prize is what it's called. Uh, at least in this first movie, uh-huh. uh, I can't speak to the the movies that come after. And, but. Uh, <laughs> before we get before we even get into that, am I? Correct in my assumption that the what the prize is changes from movie to movie. 
Pirates, sort of. Okay. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. So ba- basically, here's the deal. So Krugan is the most powerful. Kurgan. Kurgan. Okay. Kurt. Yeah. Kurgan. Okay. So Kurgan is the most powerful um, immortal currently because he's killed the most people. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins the prize, they have an effect on the entire world. So if Kurgan wins, Krugan? Kurgan. 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 Okay. So if Kurgan wins, Basically, he would plunge humanity into darkness and and evil would rule the land. Oh. And so basically, um, Sean Connery's character, Sean yes. Connery's character um, is going through training good people to try to defeat Krugan so that he doesn't win the prize. Kurgan. Kurgan, whatever. Uh, the, Clancy Brown. It's okay. the Kurgan. Yeah. It's the actually Kurgan. more like, the, it's more of a title. Kurgan, Kurgan. comma. Yeah. Comma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the reason why Sean Connery is seeking out other immortals to okay. try to train them, because he knew that that Kurgan uh, was specifically trying to kill uh, McLeod, so he wanted to prepare him so that he could defeat um, Kurgan, okay, so that he wouldn't make it to the gathering. Okay, you, you know, you you were talking about how you think uh, Sean Connery is the reason this movie has had such good legs over the centuries. Um, Clancy Brown. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think it's the Kurgan. I think it's Clancy Brown. The bad guy. I mean, his 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 all. How you doing, ladies? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's better to burn out and fade away and blah blah blah. You know, it's all this kind of stuff. He's such a cool, iconic villain. This you, is the you know, movie. It's that, just, this is the movie that put Clancy Brown on the map. Oh like, yeah. Look, before this movie, nobody knew who he was, and after right. this movie, he became the Clancy Brown. You know, mm-hmm. like he made that character so iconic. Um, because originally in the script, he was written as kind of like a darker, more serious character. And when Clancy Brown came in, he's like, I'm going to make this guy a barbarian, <laughs> you know, a modern day barbarian. And, uh, I, it was, it was really interesting. The choices he made with that character. I, I had um, a, I had a Dungeons and Dragons character that I based off the Kurgan. He was, he was, uh, he was an anti-paladin. I, I, I always played evil characters, even in my D and D days. Maybe that's know, why so. I'm so drawn to you. I don't know. Maybe I, I like I love, the bad guys. I love evil yeah. power. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in trouble, Matt. You're in trouble. You better get a little more evil, buddy. I do. I, I'm way more evil than you, Vader. Sure <laughs> you're do more it. of a dog. You're more of a doctor evil type, and I, I'm I'm more of a just you know I'm just gonna. I, I'm, a, I'm a Lex Luthor type. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I do want to say I uh, really appreciated his um, efforts in trying to hide his identity mm. with the pins on his neck. Oh yeah, yeah. So that he hid the the wound from his uh, ineffectual he- beheading. <laughs> that was his whole outfit with like the leather and the chain mail. It just got better and better. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, I love the armor from the original, you know, the, like the flashback scene. Oh, it's great. Where he's, in, he's in full warrior mode, but the modern time version of that with like the torn up leather and the chain mail and the pin, safety pins on his neck. I was yeah. like, this is freaking classic. I mean, I think. Of of all of the movies I've seen so far, he's definitely the best bad guy. And I think that's mm. probably why this is my favorite. And that, of, that was all Clancy Brown. Yeah. And w- when he shaves his head, he just looks so freaking weird. Oh, God. Yeah. And his, <laughs> his hair, his actual hair is like poking through the bald cap that's on his head. Priceless. <laughs> I know, Amazing. Right? Like he actually pissed off Sean Connery uh, in the scene where um, Kurgan fights, um, you know, Connery's character. So there's Juan Ramirez. Yeah, Juan Ramirez. So so there's a there's a scene where he like breaks into the castle where you know um Sean Connery's with um McLeod's wife. Heather. And uh he's he was supposed to swing his sword and break the table in half. And when Clancy Brown came in, he was so in character that he like 
just narrowly missed hitting Connery and like broke this, this like candle thing, like right in front oh of him. And Connery got pissed and, and he was like, he was like, I need to use my stunt double more often. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Clancy Brown had to go and apologize to him. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I got a bit carried away there. <laughs> I was in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's funny cause Sean Connery. So they hired him to do seven days of work for <laughs> $1.6 million. And uh, at the time, like, you know, like this was a low was budget a movie uh, that, that was a, a lot of money um, for seven days of work. And Connery didn't believe that they could get everything they needed him to do in seven days. Like he had a bet with the director, Russell Mulcahy, and he, he was like, I don't think you can get everything you need from me in seven days, but I'm going to take my money regardless. <laughs> and so Mulcahy, um, it was kind of interesting. What makes this film such a cult classic? Um, and, you know, like we're watching this you know, 40 years after it came out, mm -hmm. um, is that Russell Mulcahy was a music video director. And this was kind of like just at the start of when music video directors were able to cross over into directing feature films. And so the visual style for this movie was so unique at the time because he brought his kind of music video um, experience to the movie with like quick cuts and like very stylized kind of camera angles and things of that nature that this movie didn't look like anything that was out at the time. And it was originally a Warner Brothers picture and Warner Brothers did not know how to market this thing. They had no clue what to do with it. And so in America, it flopped miserably because Warner Brothers just didn't market it right. Mm -hmm. But overseas, it was like a huge thing because they actually marketed it correctly. And um, on home video is where it really found its legs and it became like this cult classic. So it made like a ton of money on home video, which is why you know, um, they decided to eventually make a sequel, but, uh, this is one of those cult movies where like, I've watched this thing, not as much as Vader, but like, I've, I've seen it numerous times and it's always like a joy to watch because it, it's, it's so kind of far out there and crazy. And, the it's, it's very original, like nothing mm -hmm. like this had ever been made before. Uh, the, the concept behind it of like these immortals dueling each other and, and the whole like there can be only one line has become it, so iconic. It takes itself so seriously. It really does. That you can't take any of it seriously. Yeah. Right. And it's funny I mean, because Christopher Lambert, like we talked about Sean Connery and Clancy Brown, Christopher Lambert, this was his first American film. He had done like a couple Tarzan movies in France, which, <laughs> which kind of put him on the map. But he didn't know how to speak English. So when they cast, you don't say. Yeah, well, when, when, <laughs> when they when they cast him, he couldn't speak English, and they were like, "Did we just cast a guy who can't speak English?" And so yeah. he like did this in six weeks. He learned how to you know speak English, uh, which is pretty impressive. But I think heavy on the ish in yeah. English. Yeah, there's uh, a, I. I think this movie. You know, you, I'm going to probably like this is a question you'll ask me later, but in in my movies that I've watched the most. I think this is probably easily in my top 10 movies of all wow. time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just one of those movies that for some reason, somehow it's always just, I've always, it's always kind of resonated with me and I don't know what it is because I'm not ever really been a big cult movie person. You know, I hate low budget movies. You guys know this, right? Yeah. And, but there's something about this movie that I just like, Oops. you know, uh, well, yeah, there's some of that. But this, it's not, it wasn't necessary though in this movie, really. It's like it is in all the other movies. But <laughs> I don't know, it didn't really make sense. But uh, there's just from the, from the opening scene of this movie, 
with 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 the Queen music and and the Freebirds going to the ring at, in the stadium and the and the sword fight in the in the parking structure and and it's just a cool movie yeah. and then how they do the the crazy flashbacks to to old Scotland and stuff you know and it, it's just it's just an interesting movie how they set it up and how they told the story to me it was just something clicked with me in that and and I'm not really sure why or what but you know it's swords and it's armor and and cool music and i think maybe there's some of that music video director stuff yeah. kind of being thrown in there i kind of see that now and um yeah it's just it's just an awesome fun movie yeah. for me i'll say that one of the things that makes this movie so cool is the queen soundtrack yeah. like like that mm-hmm. opening song where it's like i am immortal you know like yeah. like that whole thing <laughs> Um, it, it just really sets the stage for like, you, you know, the movie that's to come and none of the other movies utilize queen. Mm-mm. Like, like I, I can almost feel like they should have just license that opening song and just used it to kind of tie all the movies together. But then of course they didn't right. do that. Um, but what was interesting is, is that so originally Kurt Russell was cast as Connor McLeod. Get the fuck out. No, like I they, can see that. They I actually, that. They, they actually had him sign on, but then, um, uh, he had to drop out for some type of like scheduling reason. I also think Goldie Hawn told him not to make this movie for some reason. <laughs> oh, that bitch. And he, I'm just kidding. I love Goldie Hawn. He actually uh, went and uh, did Big Trouble in Little China oh, instead of this movie. Okay, you know what? Solid choice. <laughs> okay. Solid choice. Um, but he was actually cast to play the, the main role in this. And then after he dropped out, they went and they signed um, um, Christopher Lambert. So, Is uh, it Lambert? Or- yeah, no, Lambert. It's Lambert. He's French. So say it okay. French. Okay. Lambert. Christopher, Christopher Lambert. It's, it's just Christopher. It's hitting my ear all wrong every time he so, says it. Speaking of that actor, um, the whole time I was watching this movie, I kept get like like looking, squinting at him. I'm like, I feel like I've seen his face somewhere oh, yeah. else. You have. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah no, sure. not just that. But I honestly, I get him and uh, Thomas Jane. Confused. Oh, I could see that. They look so similar. I was I like, is that like a, a really I think there's a big age gap, but I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying in this in the Highlander movie, because he's he's younger in this movie. Mm-hmm. I kept looking at him. I'm like, that guy looks just like the dude who played the Punisher yeah. in the 2004 okay. one. Uh he also, I just he played Raiden in the original Mortal Kombat movie. Yes, this is true. Lam Lambert did? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's why again, see, I thought that was Thomas Jane. I, I get these these two guys look really similar to me. <laughs> but anyway, um, I have a ton of fun with this movie. I don't think I struggle to say that it's good because it's it's just kind of goofy. It's low budget, like you guys were saying. You'd be, you'd be no, very man. careful. You're right. Fight it's, scenes, it's you'd not be very good. careful right now. It's great. The, <laughs> the fight the fight scenes are kind of goofy and dumb. <laughs> high five, virtual high five. Um I just but it's just there's something about it, man. It's got a charm to it, and uh-huh. I think Cl- Clancy Brown 100 makes it worthwhile. Like you're watching him, like especially that scene where he's in the church and he's just like oh. teasing the nut. Oh my god, dude, it's he's perfect. Like, How licking, you doing, ladies? Licking yeah. the priest's hand. Ugh. Well, it, it, it's funny because Clancy Brown, I think he did like um like a interview at one point, and he said that in in his kind of research for the character. That uh, the the Krugan is that how you pronounce Kurgan. it? Kurgan. Kermit. Okay. There's no. Okay. okay. I, I, I just I, I keep thinking of the coffee maker, the Kruger. Okay, listen, uh, you're doing this on purpose now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no. Okay. You're doing this on purpose. So, so he's, he's he said in this interview that in in his research, uh, the the Kurgan, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> the, the Kurgan lived before Christianity uh, uh-huh. 
was a thing. Uh And and so whenever he's in a Christian church or a Catholic church, he looks at it as just a bunch of like, uh, kind of like loony cult members because Mm -hmm. like he grew up in a time where like Christianity wasn't a thing. And that's why he was like, you know, acting the way he did in the church. And I thought that was like really interesting kind of like character choice. Yeah. You know, I, I love, I love it how he just walks in there and just starts smashing the candles down. Ah, these are dumb. You know? like, <laughs> just doing, doing everything you can to just annoy people. You know? Yeah. But, but one of the interesting things about this movie is that it is high fantasy, but it's also urban fantasy at the same time. And it, it takes all these kind of like interesting mythological things. In fact, the original title for this movie was called the black Knight. And uh, it was based off of a idea that the main screenwriter had when he was kind of like touring a museum and he saw like a, um, a suit of armor. And he was like, I wonder what would happen if like, you know, someone who was touring this museum, just like I am, um, but like actually lived in that time period. And this was his suit of armor. And he's looking at it like, you know, from my perspective today and remembering like all the stuff he did in that armor. And that was kind of like the genesis of this movie and the writer's main name is Gregory Wyden. And he wrote this as like his thesis for UCLA film school. And he ended up selling this script for like $200,000. And that was like, you know, kind of like his big break um, coming right out of UCLA film school. And he sold it to these producers who went on to produce like, you know, most of the the new Highlander things. And um, they were the ones who kind of like got it off the ground and got it financed and brought in Russell Mulcahy. And it was Mulcahy's experience in music video world where he was able to bring on like queen and like a bunch of these like big bands to do the soundtrack. And it was funny because queen originally, like they were just going to do one song for the soundtrack. And when they saw a rough cut of the movie, they were like, this thing's badass. We want to do more songs for it. And so like, they ended up doing like, like three or four songs for like, it the just film. makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you, if you ever watched the, uh, the music video, for, uh, I, I, I think it's called the Kings of the universe or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's good. Yeah. It, it's basically like it's Freddie Mercury and queen and they're on the rooftop that the final battle takes place on and Christopher <laughs> Lambert shows up and just, you know, as Connor it's, McLeod. Yeah. And he starts playing it's, guitar. It's, it's, no, no. It's one of those like weird, like eighties kind of music videos where the band's playing and doing their thing and people from the movie just kind of randomly show up and walk around on the stage you You know know, like it's like a uh sin almost fire kind of video those kind of things you know so that's awesome you know one of the things i wanted to say about about this movie is like first of all i was so excited that i was finally going to get to watch it because you know i never have time to just like watch something for me Mm -hmm. um because we're always watching stuff for the show and then katish and i usually try to like watch stuff together so for me to finally get to watch something that has been on my, my watch list for so long, I was so excited that we were going to do a whole week of it. And I was anticipating like being really sick of it by the end of the week. Cause that's kind of par for the course when we choose a theme by the end of the week, I'm just like, I'm fucking over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could watch this movie again right now. I loved yeah, it. Oh yeah. It was nice. great. So, nice. uh, Alex, I don't know if you knew this, but, um, according to Russell Mulcahy and Christopher Lambert, um, Sean Connery was drunk the entire time yes. he was on set for this movie. Uh, appar- I love that guy. Uh, yeah. Apparently he had, um, so like, you know, they shot his scenes in Scotland and he had some type of local hookup who, who just made him like homemade wi- uh, whiskey. Um, and, and so like he was just constantly drinking um, while he was on set and they actually had to like, you know, uh, deal with, 
drunk Sean Connery uh, during all of his filming scenes. <laughs> but you, but awesome. you know what? That probably is why we are so endeared to to Ramirez the way he is. You know, yeah, so he's I mean? a legend. He's got yeah. that swagger. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, people cosplay as this dude forty years later to this yeah. day. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's great. I bet you Sean Connery is probably. Loving that ponytail too. Oh, I, like, I said the yeah. same thing. I was like, he took that home at the end of the yep. shoot. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, it was it was f- funny because we talked about how, uh, like, if you listen to our Sean Connery podcast uh, episode where we talked about the hunt for October, uh-huh. uh, Sean Connery wanted his uh, his character to have a ponytail on that as well, uh-huh. and uh, and that was eighty seven, right? Was that the same year? No, no, um, but. Uh, the, it, w- it was funny because John McTiernan started a rumor because he didn't want Sean Connery to have like the ponytail. So he started a rumor that said like the ponytail looked like a penis hanging off the back of his head. <laughs> and, when, and when Connery heard that, he was like, I can't have a ponytail. He's, he like, took it <laughs> off. So a little bit of mind games there. But uh, in this one, he went full ponytail. Oh, yeah. 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 It was glorious. Yeah. It's, All just, right. it's just it's just one of those things that I can't imagine any other. Any other actor from that era playing in those roles, yeah. you know, even. Christopher Lambert and, and and the Kurgan guy. I mean, they just that's just who those characters are to me. You know, and I know they're I'm I'm curious what they're gonna do with a reboot because there is a reboot in the works, a reimagining or or, or whatever of, of the original Highlander. You think I they think, can get Kurt Russell this time? No, no. Uh <laughs> uh um yeah, he'll play a <laughs> he'll play like a Turkish a, uh, he plays Ramirez. No. No, yeah. no, no. So, so Henry Cavill is attached huh. as Connor McLeod in, 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 in the reboot, oh, which, cool. and, and, and if they give it a budget and they use him and it'll be great. I think it'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This isn't one of those, this isn't one of those, um, IPs or whatever that I would, I'm going to get, off- I'm not going to get offended if they reimagine and redo this. Yeah. In, in, I mean, in I mean they basically reimagine thing. each sequel as they go along. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. just went bananas every time yeah. they, they created a sequel. But Vader, yeah. you, you might be interested to know that. So Russell Mulcahy, uh, he was talking with Sting because he had done like some Sting music videos mm-hmm. about starring in the movie. And it was Sting who recommended Clancy Brown because they had worked together on this movie called The Bride. And he was like, this guy's like an amazing actor. You should cast him as the bad guy. And so you can thank Sting for Clancy that's Brown's cool. performance yeah, in this movie. Cool. Good, good job, Sting. I think there's a lot of lore and a lot of really cool fantasy elements to this movie that mm-hmm. if they did remake it nowadays, I think could really be cool. Like there's like Assassin's Creed elements where like this person's immortal and they collect these ancient artifacts throughout history and they have to hide their identity. Yeah, it's it's really freaking uh, a good concept to work with, a good foundation if you make something really cool out of. Yeah, uh, so the, real the, quick, the big problem with this movie was that it was a definitive ending to it. Like yeah. they, they filmed right. it as a standalone. They were like, this is just one movie. This is how it's going to end. Connor McLeod wins the prize and he's the last immortal. And, and at the end of the movie, he basically becomes mortal and he can have children. He can have a family. He can have the thing that he always wanted and he can grow gracefully and die. And he has like a mental connection to every person on the planet and he can bring about world peace and, and everything's a okay until the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, I always, I always imagined a TV show, and maybe this is kind of they explored some of the stuff in the, in the TV sh- series that came out of here. But I always kind of figured, I could, I would like to see a series of of Duncan McLeod wandering the earth like Kane and Kung Fu over those four hundred years between when he was born and between the between the end 
you know, just kind of exploring the earth and so, so Vader, learning his craft and stuff. And Vader Duncan McLeod is the character for the TV show. Connor, Connor, McLeod Connor, is, Connor. Is, yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. The movies. Connor Duncan, whatever. <laughs> McLeod. <laughs> McLeod clan. There's one more thing I wanted to say about this before uh, we do final thoughts. <clears throat> so, because I had never seen this before, I didn't really know what it was about. And so I think just from hearing other people talk about it, um, what I thought that it was, was it's called Highlander. So I assumed everything would be Scottish mm -hmm. and that there's this one Scottish guy who's an immortal and he's like, like a Viking or he's got superpowers or something. That's all I thought. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, so, okay, there's that one Scottish guy. He's the Highlander, but it's all called Highlander. But the the immortal beings are just called immortals like this whole for, for decades. I thought mm -hmm. that the Highlander was a term for this immortal group of people. And mm. that is completely incorrect. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> He's just right. him. So I was like, this room is leading. Uh, <laughs> I know you, you said this is like right up your alley as far yeah. as movies that you like. Uh -huh. Um, Give us uh, your favorite moment and what would you give this movie as a uh, for a rating? Oh, favorite moment. I, you know, I like the backstory stuff with like him and Heather and he's like falling in love and and um, like when Ramirez shows up and like as soon as as soon as Sean Connery shows up and he's like, I'm an Egyptian Spaniard. I burst <laughs> out laughing because I was like, are you? Are you fucking kidding me? It was so funny and so very like very like the, the 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 seriousness of it was just like no, I am a fucking Spaniard. And you were like, "Yes sir, Mr. Sean Connery, sir. You sure are." When he's like, "What are you doing, bandejo?" Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I think I texted you guys when he said that. I was like, "Oh my god. He just said bandejo." Uh, amazing. Amazing. That's um, great. Yeah. So what what are we what are we calling this? Is it a campy movie? Is it a sci-fi movie? Cult, just, a, just a cult, cult movie. Okay. Cult classic. Okay, yeah. cult classic. Gosh, it's gotta be it's gotta be a four out of five immortals for me for a cult classic. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. All right, uh Kadish, you're next, buddy. What, what are you uh favorite moments and give this movie a rating? All right, so I thought that the final showdown between uh kurgan and mcleod uh which i always want to pronounce it mcleod because uh, that's how it's spelled um, i watch a lot of outlander <laughs> yeah um but but i feel like their final battle um on the rooftop and then they fall into like you know that big auditorium type place uh was really cool um you can see the wires um in that okay. scene yeah. <laughs> um and it was kind of funny it just adds to it yeah but it's kind of funny because like all, all like the energy stuff um that they drew on to the, like the film <laughs> they tried to draw it in a way to cover the wires um so th that was kind of interesting i don't know if they succeeded in that or not but it was funny because in the script you know whenever uh the, the quickening happens uh, they just write, and then the quickening happens. And, and, and Russell Mulcahy, when he was sitting there reading the script, he's like, okay, what does that mean? Like, like how do we visualize yeah. that? And I love how the, the choices they made were basically, it's so powerful, everything around them just explodes, whether it's mm -hmm. explosive or not. It's just like windows shatter, fireballs <laughs> show up out of nowhere, like cars just blow up. Um, and that just, final scene where he, where Christopher Lambert says like the iconic line, there can be only one. And then every window behind him just like, 
blows out. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm, so I'm, badass. Yeah, it really is. And then like the Queen soundtrack drops and you're just like, fuck yeah. It gives you yeah. everything. <laughs> so, so like those were always my favorite moments. I thought that the opening uh, sword fight in the parking garage <laughs> was really good. Fun fact, that was not in a parking garage, actually. They shot that in a um, in a outdoor fruit market uh, in England um, because every um, parking garage that they looked at, the ceilings were too low. <laughs> so they had to like kind of like make this outdoor market look like a parking garage. Huh. Um, so, uh, you know, there was a lot of kind of like innovative stuff that went into this movie. They shot it fast and dirty, but it looks really good. The grime of New York City in, in the 80s, like you could really feel like, like, oh, this is disgusting. And Clancy Brown's performances and Sean Connery being like an Egyptian Spaniard. And you want to see some grime, wait till you see the next one. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like, like there's oh just God. so many different elements in this movie that all come together to work, even though they shouldn't work. Mm. And this is just an enjoyable film. This mm. is a fantasy film that yeah. creates like a unique kind of mythology to it. And I'm not surprised that this film spawned like a whole legion, like very loyal fan base across the world. And I think that the sequels have continually tested that fan base. Uh, <laughs> but but this the strength of this movie uh, is what keeps the Highlander thing going. And and I really enjoy this film. Cool. All right, Vader, how about you, buddy? Um. Man, I I can't give you a favorite moment because I just enjoy the whole movie. This is one of those movies that it's like like Raiders. If 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 I'm flipping through the channels and Highlanders on, I'm I'm just gonna stop and watch it till it's over. You know, it's it's just it's just one of my favorite movies ever. Um there's really not a lot that I dislike about this movie. Um I think it's starting to show its age quite a bit. Like I said earlier, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a reboot of this, but it's always going to be a special movie to me. And um, it's just just it's just a fun, awesome movie. I, I like everything about it. I mean, iconic characters, the good guys. Great. You know, Sean Connery, uh, Kurgan. Um, I mean, it just it is what it is. Uh, How many stars you got it? I, it's a, it's a it's a four star movie for me. Even even it, just on its own, it's it's a four star. I don't have to put it in any stupid weird, not stupid, but in any kind of weird like you know category. It's just it's just a fun movie, and I, and I'm kind of I, I I don't understand why it did so poorly because it's always been a good movie. It's always been kind of fun. But like I said, it, it's it's starting to show its age, but and that's and that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but it like makes it, it, it makes it more special. It makes it more unique that it has the the drawn on lightning and stuff at the end and and um yeah so but like i see what you're saying as far as like it it's starting to show its age but uh -huh. like for me and i know i'm a person who likes camp but for me yeah. it being a first watch i didn't mind that at all like i knew mm -hmm. it was from the 80s and i expected right. it to look like that and i just thought it was just such a fun movie with charm and I just I just enjoyed the whole thing and I didn't sure. mind how it looked. I mean, I saw like the drawn on uh, mm -hmm. special effects and I was just like, ha, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm with you. Right on. Uh, for me, my favorite scene is definitely the fight uh, between Clancy Brown and Sean Connery. Uh, I thought that was probably the best one as far as like cinematics goes. Like they were fighting up the staircase and then they get up to the top and there's lightning crashing down and he chops the freaking head off of Sean Connery. I was like, God. That was amazing. That was a great fight scene. It's my favorite one. The trash talking that they did back and forth. 
where you know he cuts his neck open and he's like oh i think that's an improvement on your voice like i just <laughs> i freaking it was all good stuff yeah, um, and, and it was it was interesting because at, in the final fight, Christopher Lambert or Connor McLeod uses that same move that Sean Connery taught him to actually kill uh, Krugan, yeah. Kurgan. Uh, so so like he he began what uh, Sean Connery uh, started. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, it was my definitely my favorite scene. Uh, I'm not as in love with this movie as I think you guys are. Uh, it's a solid three star for me. Uh, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's got that cult classic vibe to it. Uh, it's got that low budget nostalgia that we all kind of like, um, a Jude especially. So I can appreciate it for what it is, but it's not something like, as opposed to Vader, where like, oh, I see it on on TV, I'm going to watch it. I probably won't. I'd have to be in the right mood I'm to sit down take, and watch. This I'm movie. taking you off my friend list. <laughs> One of these days, we have to watch something that you like, Alex. You you just the movies that we find charming, you usually hate. And we have to watch together something that you would normally hate and see if it improves your take on it. Cause I really think that like when you watch something with company and you're all like talking through it and, and just Mm -hmm. like making fun of the movie as you're watching it, it just improves the experience so much. Oh, for sure. I believe you. I think we do need to do that. Not, not this week though. There's, I mean, there's a lot, there's there's a lot of movies that Jude likes that I can't stand. Yeah, Jude goes way far into the whole campy, weird, low budget world that I just don't like. And I never really thought of Highlander as a low budget movie. It's just it was it's just a a product of its time in mm-hmm. my head, you know. Um, I mean, it's not technically but, a low budget movie. It was in the no. 80s for what was it? 16 million dollars in the 80s yeah. was not low yeah, budget. 1986. But um it's just it's just a cool movie, man, and, and and it's just there's so much iconic stuff in it that still is cool to me. And yeah, I mean, it, it was an independently financed movie. Um, I think a, a British telecom company put up the money for it, uh, and Warner Brothers was the dis- American distributor, and it was their mishandling of the marketing for the movie, which is why it, it didn't do very well at the box office, mm-hmm. but it, it did really well overseas. So, you know, and then home video, like this was kind of like at the start of like the home video revolution where movies would find second lives on home video. And some of our favorite I, movies are, are straight movies to video. That, that, yeah. that kind of like were discovered through home video. This this is 100 percent one of those movies that I wore out the VHS tape of, <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Right on. So. All right, guys, that's our discussion for the first Highlander movie. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, listen to some sponsors. We'll be right back. We'll talk about the sequel, Highlander 2. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 
Welcome back, everybody. Hey, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and get some awesome merch in return, go to saltynerdstore.com. There you can get access to all of our really cool t-shirts that myself and Kadish have designed over the past couple of years. We've got uh, One Star Crap Fest, which is what Kadish is wearing right now. We've got Boob Stalker, one of my favorite TV uh, t-shirts that Jude is wearing. And of course, the Salty Justice Warrior that uh, Matt Vader is wearing over there. So go to saltinerdstore.com to get access to those t-shirts and uh, help support the podcast, get some cool stuff in return. Okay, Jude. Yes, sir. Highlander 2. All right, you got it. <laughs> Take it away. 1991 Highlander 2, The Quickening, rated R with a runtime of one hour, 31 minutes. Had a budget of $30 million. What do you think this brought into the box office? Oh, the that had a bigger budget than the first one? Um, I'm going to say it made 28 million, maybe 30, made it, but it back. But Vader. Um, $2 million. <laughs> Close. <laughs> $15 million. It made half of its, budget. half its budget. Yeah. Back. Wow. Total, total bomb. <laughs> All right. You ready? Go ahead. Okay. When Highlander goes sci-fi, Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod is an old man in 2024 living a solitary life under a protective Earth dome he made. Michael Ironside arrives from another planet to kill the Highlander, and that makes Connor young and bangable again. A blonde science lady wants to smash the dome, and Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod smashes her vagina. Sean Connery comes back to life to buy a new suit and then sacrifice himself because... There can be only one. I'm starting to detect a theme here. In your- <laughs> God, <laughs> babe. he's freaking this, this. This was hot garbage. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I love Michael Ironside probably uh-huh. more than any of you guys. I, I like he is the freaking man for me. I love all his bad guys in the 80s. I love that he plays Sam Fisher in the video games. Uh, Splinter Cell. Michael Ironside is amazing. This movie, I, he was the only thing I liked about this movie. Even Sean Connery, I know he came back, but his character is like, well, he showed up for like a day and then was like, I'm going to drink some uh, whiskey and uh, get a new suit and then go that, home. That like, shopping montage in the Oh, middle. my God. It was very pretty woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He takes his earring off as payment and the guy's just like, oh, okay, that's a million dollars. <laughs> I buy my own hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so stupid. I, this this movie is so weird to me because I've never gone from one of my favorite movies of all time to literally one of the biggest pieces of crap movies ever made as a sequel. It, this movie is such hot garbage. <laughs> it's 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 an absolute flaming tire fire of that causes the ozone to disappear yeah i just like what were they thinking when they put this together i don't understand it i don't understand how it's nonsensical yeah and i i so you know i love shitty movies and the whole Mm -hmm. time i think i was enjoying myself but i never want to watch it again never yeah the uh i'm sorry i had forgotten how bad it was I think I literally mentally blocked it out <laughs> because I had seen it before, but I was getting confused with the next one that we watched. I was getting confused with three and I'd for, kind of forgotten mm-hmm. all of the nonsense from the, the, the time travel and the, and the stupidity and the, and the everything about this movie is just 
so off the wall, bonkers, mystery science theater, 3000 uh-huh. nonsense. It's just, I don't, I don't get it. I absolutely the, the, do not get it. I think your brain the, did you a favor in making yeah. you not remember it because it, it was makes awful. no sense. The ridiculous, like eco-terrorism environmental message behind the whole thing yeah. where they're like uh-huh. we have to protect the ozone layer or it's gonna uh-huh. kill us all i'm like oh my gosh this was totally something that of like the at the t- of the time so, yeah. Yeah. some late 80s sjw wrote this and thing like, yeah exactly and, you know, also like he got real old for how many years had passed between the last one and this what one. was it 2024 yeah. yeah. So basically the ozone layer began depleting in 1999 mm-hmm. and this movie happens in 2024. So two years yeah. from, or three years from now. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so over 25 that, like, years year period, under the dome. He aged like 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was an old man. He was like dying yeah. or something. Yeah. Right. So why, why did he start aging? Was it because he was the only one he left? Was- uh-huh. He won. Well, okay. according to the movie, he that's, could choose to age and die. That's the point. Or he could go back in time and rule the planet under his under his nice and judge and judgy and and scholarly rule or whatever. He could be, know, a, he could be Odin, or he could just yeah. become an old man. So he decided, you know, I'm just going to stay here in gold and die. Uh-huh. I'm gonna make an Earth dome. You guys yeah. are gonna love it. <laughs> well, out of, well, what out of, what what happened was is the girl that he met in the first movie, the cop lady, Brenda. Um, Brenda. So he fell in love with her and she died from solar radiation from the depletion of the ozone layer. And before she died, very sad. before she died, she asked him to save the world. And so he chose, he chose to stay and grow old so that he could save the world as a, as the last um, wish of his dying wife, as opposed to going back in time or to the planet Zeiss, depending on which version of this yeah. you watch to, to rule over all the immortals. Right. Okay, and that was our discussion. <laughs> no, no, you know, say, you, know, I mean, you know what's funny is that uh, the the story behind the making of this movie is way more interesting than the movie yeah, itself. Yeah, I, I, I walked I, through the room a couple of times while Kadish was watching like the backstory on it, and it seemed is, better than the actual movie. Yeah, like, is, like, is there like, a documentary I've, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah there, there there are a couple of documentaries actually, but I've been wanting to talk about this movie more than any of the three that we watched. <laughs> of course, simply because there was so much behind the scenes stuff going on. That was so much more interesting than the movie itself. That actually explains a lot of the reason why this movie is as bad well, as it is. Um, didn't they Before, have, sorry, didn't they have Sean, Sean Connery for less time, and they paid him more money for this one? They paid him three point six million dollars for six days of work. Okay, nice. <laughs> That's an upgrade. Uh, before we let Katie just dive into the backstory behind this, because I did not know there was a documentary, but I really want to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> uh, there was something that like. Uh, the scene where they're in the city and they're fighting the two like bird dudes with the feathers and the beak that goggles so things. Weird. So weird. This is so weird. But the whole time I was watching that, I'm like, did they steal the set of Batman 1989 from Tim Burton? Because it looked exactly like that. It was the same style. That's it looked like a Tim Burton movie for about 15 minutes. And I was like, what is yeah. going on? No, they, they, they actually that. built that set. Yeah. Uh, they built from it from scratch. scratch. Ugh. God, why? <laughs> All right, Kate, just take it away. What's the fascinating behind the scenes uh, take on this movie? All right. So you, do you guys remember when we did our reviews for um, Deathstalker 1 and 2? Mm-hmm. And we talked how about how Roger Corman chose to shoot those movies in Argentina because he got like a, a tax credit from the government. And so he, like he built a bunch of sets there and he used like the Argentinian crews 
and he saved like a bunch of money and he made something like eight to 12 films in Argentina, um, just, you know, and for like hundreds of thousands of dollars each, and they'd bring in like millions of dollars in, in profit. Um, so when the producers for, um, the Highlander series, their, their names were Brian Clemens and William Panzer. Um, they basically were getting a lot of interest from foreign distributors who made a lot of money off the first Highlander. And they're like, you got to make a sequel to this. And they're like, well, the first one was kind of like had a a definitive ending. And they're, and the distributors are like, just figure it out because there's a lot of money to be made here. (laughs) Just, just do it. Yeah. So uh, basically these two guys got together and they came up with a concept for the story where basically instead of doing a fantasy film, they were going to do a science fiction film and they were going to set it in a way so that they could undo the definitive ending of the first movie and, you know, bring back Connor McLeod and and bring back Sean Connery because, you know, he's a big overseas draw and things of that nature. And so when they were kind of figuring out how to produce this movie, they found out that if they shot the movie in Argentina, they could get a lot of the same tax breaks that Roger Corman got, and they could basically save about $10 million uh, if they shot it in Argentina. So their money wow. would go much further. And so they, d- they made this decision to you know, film in Argentina, and they brought back um, Russell Mulcahy to direct this movie. And they hired this guy named Peter Bellwood to write the screenplay based off of the story concept they came up with. They neglected to call Queen. They, they, they did neglect to call Queen, but um, they did call Christopher Lambert and had him come back uh, along with Sean Connery and Virginia Madsen and Michael Ironside. So they're going to be the only one. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically, there were a lot of things that happened to make this movie as bad as it was. The first thing was that everyone hated the script. And, uh, That's fair. And in, in fact, Michael Ironside, he was doing like a Reddit AMA one time and someone asked him about this and he was like, yeah, listen, like, you know, I hated that script. We all did. Me, Sean, Chris, we were all in it for the money on this one. I mean, it read as if it was written by a 13-year-old boy. Um, and he was like, I've never played a barbarian swordsman before, and this was my first big evil mastermind type character. I figured if I was going to do this stupid movie, I might as well have fun and go over the top, <laughs> go as over yeah. the top as I possibly could. I think you made the right choice. Yeah. Uh, all that eye rolling and foaming at the mouth was me deciding that if I was going to be in a piece of shit <laughs> like that movie, I was going to be the most memorable fucking thing in it. And I think I succeeded. And it was funny because well, like, done. like when we, when we were watching it, I turned to Jude out. I was like, Michael Ironside seems to be the only one who, who, seems to be having fun in this movie. Full commitment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, but here's the thing. So like they shifted it from fantasy to science fiction and the original cut of the movie, um, in order to explain who the immortals are and where they came from, uh, the immortals come from a planet called Zeist. Okay. It, it's a, it's a alien planet and they're aliens. And when they, uh, fail to mount a revolution, all the criminals are sent to earth in exile and they're forced to fight one another. And there can be only one who survives. And then they can, once they survive, they can either choose to stay on earth and age and, and stuff like that, or they can come back to the planet Zeist and uh, basically they're, they're pardoned for their crimes. So and it's running man. Yeah. So, sort of, but the, uh, in, that was the original cut. And this movie went through like three or four different cuts uh, and the one we saw was the final one. And basically the producers had such a huge backlash from the Highlander fan base that they made them all aliens, that they retconned it and said, oh, 
This is way in the past on Earth. And uh, they're sent forward in time. And so, like, they're still human. Um, so, like, they kind of retcon that a little bit. But but here, here's the thing about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So, basically, so they chose to shoot this movie in Argentina um, because the value of the dollar was so strong against the Argentinian currency that their dollar would go much further in Argentina. And because there was a, a kind of film industry there, they could hire local Argentinians to staff their crew and save money on, you know, paying less for the crew and stuff like that. So basically, you know, um, they estimated that they could save about $10 million by shooting it in Argentina. And um, as they started getting into filming, a bunch of different things happened to mess up this plan. So first of all, the Argentinian crew, when they would break for lunch, they would drink, right? And, you know, it's just part of the culture there where they would have like wine or beer at lunch. And so a lot of the crew members got super drunk at lunchtime <laughs> oh, no. and they didn't feel like working for the rest of the day. And, and so like, they'd be very slow and they, and, and kind of like unreliable. And so basically they had to try to shoot as much as they could before lunchtime in order to, um, actually, you know, get stuff done for the film. Somehow that sounds very familiar. To how it sounds, like, it sounds like us, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, um, it was a situation where because of, of the crew's drunkenness, uh, it, uh, put them behind schedule. Okay. In addition to that, um, a lot of the crew actually started suing the production for violation of Argentinian like work laws. So there were lawsuits levied against the production as they were filming and because uh, a lot of the the heads of the departments in Argentina in Argentina um, weren't very experienced, the production actually had to fly out people from the UK and the US to take over, which in increased the the cost. Oh my gosh. But the biggest thing that happened is that during this time, Argentina was experiencing hyperinflation because they had devalued their currency so much. So on the day to day on a day to day basis, the value of the Argentinian currency would drop, and that inflated the cost of everything to do in the production. So something that oh. might have cost like a hundred dollars at the beginning of production was now costing five thousand dollars. Kind of kind of feels like my uh, my cryptocurrency investments. <laughs> Yeah, but but so basically the hyperinflation that was going on was increasing the price of everything by 5000%. Wow. And so all the money that they that they converted into Argentinian currency at the beginning of the production was getting worth less and less, so they were having to invest more money in in order to just keep the production going. And that caused everything to be way more expensive. And so this movie, which was originally budgeted I think for like 12 to 15 million dollars, ended up costing 30 million like they went double their their budget and so what happened was is that um every movie when it's being uh, before it gets shot it gets bonded and insured by an insurance company and this is basically to cover like in, in case the movie like something ha catastrophic happens like a main actor dies or whatever and the movie's unable to be finished the people investing in the, the movie can be recouped for their investment uh, but in a situation like this, where it's going over budget and they've got most of the movie shot, what happened was, is that the, the insurance company stepped in and took over the movie. They basically sidelined the director. They sidelined the producers. They kicked everyone out of the editing room. Uh, they took all the, um, the footage that was shot and they brought in their own editors and said, make something of this so we can, <gasps> so we can get back some oh, money. No. Wow. 
And, and so the original cut of this movie was completely nonsensical. Like the, oh the, the, the dome, the, the, um, the earth dome, the earth dome was originally uh, uh, red in color. Uh, even though they shot everything in blue because under the dome, everything's supposed to be night. So it was, all, it was always supposed to be a blue dome that these special effects guys were planning on, but it was cheaper to do a red dome, I guess, in, in the final edit. So huh. you have the sky red and then everything else is blue underneath <laughs> it. Um, the, uh, the final battle between Michael Ironside and Connor McLeod um, was intercut with, a, with an earlier battle that they had cut out. Mm -hmm. And so the backgrounds in the final battle kept changing very obviously. And uh, there, there was just basically like they they were missing like entire scenes that didn't that kind of set up and explain stuff that happened later on in the movie. So there was just a ton of stuff that the the U.S. the original U.S. release version of this movie uh, was missing that basically made it incomprehensible. And in fact, I think Roger Ebert said this was the worst movie of 1991. <laughs> oh, easily, easily, yeah. And and I so and so when. They went to their foreign distributor, who were the people who really wanted a sequel to The Highlander to begin with. And they saw the U.S. cut. They were like, this is awful. Can you guys come in and fix this? And they were like, yes, thank you, God. <laughs> and so Russell Mulcahy came in and did what was called the, the director's cut or the renegade cut. And so they were able to fix it for uh, international audiences. So America got the really crappy version. <laughs> and then the the UK and and the rest of the world got a slightly less crappy version. Which one did we watch? Well, I'm getting there. Okay. So there are four versions of this movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to laugh if we all watch a different version. <laughs> That'd be oh, amazing. We probably did. <laughs> um, so basically, um, for the home video release, they decided to go back and actually kind of like put some effort into fixing the movie. And... They, they did this cut where they redid some of the special effects because it was cheaper to do these special effects at this time. But they actually went back four years later and reshot uh, the scene where basically Connor McLeod and Michael Ironside have a fight on the moving car where Virginia Madsen's mm -hmm. like driving it. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of funny because when we were watching it, it has this really generic kind of like guitar riff score. Yes, it going does. On. <laughs> and, and I pointed out to you, I was like, why does that sound like a stock music score? And it was because Four years later, they were able to get these three actors back. They were able to shoot the scene, which they were not able to shoot during the original production, and edit it into the movie. And they didn't have the money to get it scored, so they just got a stock music guitar riff score oh, that they put over the, hold the on. scene. You're telling me that Michael Ironside got a phone call four years after filming this movie to go back and do reshoots for this movie that he called a piece of shit? Yeah. What a pro. That's amazing. Uh -huh. And he did it. And he, he put on the stupid wig and the stupid outfit and he went and did it. Well, well you, want, you want to hear a funny story about Michael Ironside on this movie is that so originally he had a stunt double who was supposed to do like all like the sword fighting and all this stuff for him. And the stunt double was a degenerate cocaine addict <laughs> who basically he wasn't reliable. He wouldn't show up to set. And when he was on set, he was coked out of his mind. And, and, and he just, kept, this is just getting better. And he, and the stunt double kept getting injured because he was just so coked out of his mind that like, you know, he wasn't taking the proper precautions. So the production fired him, but they didn't have it enough money in the budget to hire a new guy. And so Michael Ironside ended up doing all of his own stunts, um, because of, you know, budget constrictions and stuff like that. And what actually happened was Ironside and, um, and, uh, Christopher Lambert got, uh, injured 
constantly in their fights with one another because, you know, they were using like these heavy metal swords and Christopher Lambert is basically blind, right? <gasps> like he, he has extreme, like close, close sightedness or I don't know what you Near, call it. Nearsighted. Nearsightedness. And so like, he can't see anything uh, unless he's wearing like prescription glasses. And it's so bad that he can't wear contacts to fix it. So whenever you see him without glasses on, he's basically like, you know, just kind of winging it. And so he had the, has these sword fights where he basically accidentally chipped one of Michael Ironside's teeth uh, in, in the fight. Oh my gosh. And Michael Ironside almost cut off one of Christopher Lambert's fingers by oh accident. My God. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And, and so like it was it was very dangerous uh, to not have stunt doubles doing the fighting. Or like foam swords. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so like uh, that was Michael Ironside's experience on this movie was he was just like constantly in danger <laughs> basically i need oh, i need the angels. link to this documentary because There's, it sounds fascinating i think it's on oh it was in youtube huh yeah i, I found it on youtube that the documentary and and this michael ironside stuff this just came from my own research it wasn't really talked about in the documentary but uh it, it's called uh highlander to a love affair with argentina or something or seduced <laughs> seduced by argentina that's funny um and that's awesome. and you, you know they they talk about the various aspects of this. So basically, you know, they reshot this action scene, they put it in, into the movie. And then um, the fourth version of this movie had everything completely remastered. So they put in like a couple of deleted scenes. They, they redid like the look and feel of the film so that, you know, the, the dome is blue, everything like looks like it, it belongs with one oh, another. Yusuf. Yeah. And uh, the initial kind of ending to like the third cut was one where, uh, Christopher Lambert, after he kills um, Michael Ironside's character, um, takes Virginia Madsen and they they like beam to the alien planet of Zeist and and live as happily ever after as husband and wife among the aliens. Oh my god! And and they change that to you know like they just kind of like kiss and, and I want to see that movie. Yeah. So I, I mean, the story behind Highlander Two is is just one of like complete chaos where the, the two producers basically screwed with the mythology. Uh, the Nobody wanted to do this movie, but they were all like con, kind of contractually obligated to do so. And so like they were just in it for the money. Uh, uh, Sean Connery showed up for like six days, shot his stuff, left, got, got paid $3 million for it. To put a suit on. Um, and it was funny because um, from what I understand, Christopher Lambert, when, when he was in Argentina, um, a lot of the Argentinian nightclubs were paying him to come to their establishments because it was like, oh, we got a big Hollywood movie star come come mm -hmm. to our club. And so he was constantly like hung over <laughs> because he was out all night drinking at these nightclubs that he was being paid to kind of promote. And then the next day he'd show up on set. And and one of the reasons why his performance is so bad in this is just because like he, he was tired and he was hung over <laughs> in almost every scene he was in. Um, you can tell. Yeah, That's yeah, amazing. You, 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 you can. And it was interesting because this movie was directed by the guy who directed the first movie, uh, Michael McKay. And uh, you, you can tell like he had like a kind of refined his visual style, but he had such a terrible experience working on this movie that he wanted nothing to do with Highlander going forward after this. For, you know, you know, for me, watching this movie immediately after watching my favorite movie <laughs> in the original. It was such a drastic change in the story and in the style and in, in everything about this movie was not in the first movie. And it was, it was just like it had nothing. It wasn't related at all, except for 
some of the characters kind of look the same. You, you know, it was awful. It was just absolutely atrocious. You know, they they went to this weird science fiction time travel goofy environmental message. Environmental, yeah. It was just it, it that was kills just, the movie. That kills the movie for me. It was absolutely movie. atrocious, and it was just I, <laughs> I I can't even really sit here and and make fun of it because it's just so bad. It's just. It's it's not fun. It's not campy. It's not it's not it's not bad fun. It's just a bad bad movie, and it's just it, it kind of made me sad after I finished it because oh. it, it did because it because 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 the original was was such it deserved a better a better sequel. I, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. The, the 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 fans deserve something more respectful to whatever lore it had at the time because there was a fan base for this and it was and and you know could you imagine if this was a new thing and this sequel had come out <laughs> after a movie that came out just a couple of years ago and this came out now with the way we talk about movies and judge movies and the social media and stuff it would be an absolute firestorm on on online you in, mean in like how world. people keep talking about the Starbucks coffee cup in season eight? Yeah, you will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah season was, eight. I think I was trying to think of an equivalent for today and I'm like, well, it can't be Star Wars because not everybody loved The Force Awakens. So mm-hmm. The Last Jedi was kind of was like, but season eight is is like the perfect example because you yeah. have people who were super fans, even though you can argue that season six and seven kind of dropped in quality a little bit. Everybody was still on board. Yeah. But when season season eight came out, it was unanimously like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what this sequel was. You're watching, mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? I know it's cheesy, but I love it. It's a ton of fun. I love the lore. It's all cool. And then this movie comes out and you're like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what is yeah. this? This is. It's very confusing. Yeah, it, it took a big steaming dump on the the mythology that the first one yeah. set up. Yeah. Um, but it also so two interesting things about this. So first of all, other than James Bond, the Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez character is the only <laughs> one that Sean Connery has ever reprised as a as a role. Huh. Um, so I, I this movie is notable for that. Um, That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and. Uh, Another thing is that the only good thing to come out of this is the fact that in order to retain the rights to the Highlander franchise, the producers had to start the TV series the year after this came out in order to basically put something into production that they could actually, you know, um, retain the rights to. Mm. So this movie led to the creation of the Highlander TV show, which ran for like seven seasons. So that that was popular though, right? The, the TV show was hugely popular. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't know if you guys know this, but Highlander is like a huge, it's got like a huge hardcore fan base. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it has since like the first movie came out and the TV show really solidified it. Like they have conventions and all types of like hardcore oh, I would definitely stuff. go to a Highlander what's, convention. What's, what's really goofy to me is I was, I'm such a huge fan of the first movie, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about the series. I don't know what I was doing in my life when this series came out. I think is it, it was, I think it, it was kind of, I can't, I think it was that kind of during my wandering years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I, I wasn't doing a lot, watching a lot of movies and, and stuff back then, but. Uh, Kadish, do you know if the series was 
like in general, like well received? Is it a good show? So it was one of those shows where it it was basically like first run syndication, I want to say. And it was a big hit um, internationally, like not so much here in the States, but internationally, like people were obsessing over the show. I mean, it went for seven seasons. So it was, it was hugely, you know, shows that are crappy don't go for seven seasons, but the, uh, the quality of the, of what people expect overseas isn't quite as high as what we here in America are are used to. Um, But from what I understand that, you know, the series kind of focused on um, Connor McLeod's cousin, Duncan McLeod. And so it was kind of like a, a different character and they really expanded on the lore and the mythology and they brought in like all types of interesting new villains and things of that nature. So it was, um, it, it, it was received much better and it was kind of the thing that saved the franchise after the year after Highlander two came out because Highlander two was just really, really bad. In fact, in the documentary, they were talking to one of like the super fans of Highlander who I think started like the first like Highlander fan club or something like that. And, uh, she said, like, they asked her, like, what did you think about Highlander too? And she was like, well, it looks really pretty. <laughs> and that was the only thing they had her say about the movie <laughs> because fans everywhere were just disgusted by this film. Like, like they wow. hated every choice that was made on it. There's really nothing to like in this movie. I disagree. Just Michael Ironside. I, I love. I, I, don't, I, I don't even like him because I feel I like, like he's just how, trying how to. How do you not like that scene where he uses his immortal power to run a subway car at 600 miles an hour? Yeah, and I, was, I was just so, going to bring that so up. So fast that everyone on board dies from the speed, yeah. <laughs> and then and then it breaks through a, a solid concrete wall and it's just fine it's fine remember remember the scene where the it looked like something a total recall where the guy's head was yeah. exploding because he was going <laughs> so fast oh yeah. my god dude genius um no that, that this movie was hot garbage it was terrible the only thing i like about it was michael ironside and that's only because i am a michael ironside shill so anything he's in i'm in for um, even Terminator Salvation, when he showed up for like 30 seconds, I was like, oh, that movie's great. I, I, <laughs> so. I, know, I know that in the original script for this movie, um, basically um, the Michael Ironside character, whose name also begins with a K, uh, it's Katana. Mm-hmm. What does Katana stand for? Mm. Uh, Japanese sword. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so basically General Katana, um, he sent Kruger back in. Kurgan. Kurgan, sorry. He sent Kurgan <laughs> back in time to kill Connor McCloud. Because, you know, Connor McCloud was the guy who led the insurrection on the planet Zeist against General Katana. This movie is um, Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's why in, in the first movie, even though Connor's not an immortal yet, um, Kurgan shows up at the battle looking for him specifically because he was sent there specifically to kill Connor McCloud by General Katana. But that, but that did not make it into the finished movies <laughs> at all. In fact, mm. I, I think they went to Clancy Brown. They were like, you want to come back for this movie? And Clancy Brown was like, no. <laughs> no. Right, my character's dead. You're not okay. going to soil my character with this. Yeah, I think he made yeah. the right choice. Yeah, I think so too. So, all right, so let's do, uh, for this one, I want to do something a little bit different. What was the what was the moment that broke you for this movie, <laughs> uh, Vader, and then give it a rating? I can't. Oh, I can, I, I can, I already assume I, what the rating is going to be, but go ahead. I mean, this is absolutely a one-star crap fest movie for me. It's terrible. It's 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 an absolute abortion of, of yeah. a movie. It's awful. <laughs> it's uh, it, it it should never have been made. It's it's just trash. They they lost me really from the get-go, mm-hmm. and I, I think when the porcupine dudes showed up, and then I was completely checked out. 
yeah. running around, running around on their stupid hoverboards and their stupid cackling laugh. And it was just, it was, it was a hard watch. It's, I had to watch it over two, two sittings because I was kind of offended and I was glad that my brain had, uh, mentally blocked out this thing <laughs> from when I watched it 30 years ago or whatever. So yeah. One hard, star crap hard, fest. One star crap fest, hard pass. I'm never going to watch it again ever. Okay. All right. Uh, Jude, how about you? Um, I think, uh, the way that they brought Sean Connery back, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so that kind of broke me. However, the shopping montage kept me in it. <laughs> and and then my favorite scene, I am going to tell you my favorite scene in this because I think um, it needs its own spotlight, is the scene when uh, Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod, um, I don't know if you've heard of him, um, he, he gets young and bangable again and all of a sudden he just starts banging Virginia Madsen up against a wall in an alley. I was like, what? Okay. (laughs) In a dirty, rainy, gutter-filled New York City alley. Who hasn't? But yeah. yeah. Well, what's funny is in every movie, um, Connor McCloud, he has this thing where he's like, he's like, I'm Connor McCloud of the Clan McCloud. It immediately gets laid. I've been alive for 400 (laughs) years. I'm a mortal and I cannot die. And the girls just spread their legs for him. What was it's was like, it's it like this instant sex talk? Yeah. What yeah. was it? This movie where he was like, "Watch, I'll prove to you that I'm more moral." And like, she he forces her to stab. That's the first. Is movie. That the, yeah. That's the first movie. Yeah. 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 That's oh, Brenda. Geez, that was that was such a weird sex scene. I'm sorry, I'm going back to the first movie, but that was such a weird. <laughs> like, she literally stabs him and then mm-hmm. gets turned on, and I was like. Jude's going to be into this. We should have a whole segment about like the weird, like sexual chemistry throughout all three movies, because it's always a blonde lady and Mm -hmm. it's, it's super bizarre each time. Like in the first movie, she stabs him and then they have sex in the second Mm -hmm. movie. He's an old man. And then he becomes young and he walks out and he's like, I'm Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod. And she's like, Oh, bang me. And he's like, will this wall do? And she's like, fuck yeah. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) Will this wall do? (laughs) Oh my God. Did you just snort? Yes. (laughs) Will this wall do? Sure. That's the next T-shirt right there. Will this wall do? I'm, 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 that's that's it. That's it. And, and the graphic is just two legs in the air. Yeah. <laughs> with a brick wall. No, it's Connor McLeod with like a coffee mug. Like, yeah. Will this, yeah. Will this wall do? <laughs> My God. Okay. I've got and Matthew then, and, and then in the next one too, there's a weird sex scene. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think every Highlander has just a weird. You have to have it. How many uh, stars did you give this one, Jude? Oh, um, gosh. You know, I I didn't hate watching it, although I never want to see it again. I feel like (laughs) I have completed my journey with it. So it's not a one star crap fest for me. For me, a one star crap fest has to be something that I, I am angry while I'm watching it. And I didn't get that with this. I was I was having a good time while I watched it. Probably the the bottle of wine that I had while I was watching it helped. Yeah. <clears throat> so I definitely um recommend that. Um so for me it's probably a two star. Two okay. uh, two uh, two alley sex scenes out of five alley I, sex scenes. <laughs> I, I like how you put that this movie didn't make you angry. I never really thought about it before, but this movie did make me yeah, angry. Yeah, I know it I did for it. you. Yeah. It, it was like, oh this yeah, I get it. <clears throat> I get it. 
All right, Matthew Kadish, uh, is there a moment that broke you for this movie and how many stars do you give it? Yeah, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I saw commercials for this movie when it was coming out in theaters and I just thought it looked like the dumbest piece of crap I'd ever <laughs> seen, even at that young age. And so like, I this was a first watch for me. Like I'd never seen this movie before. What? And, yeah, uh, same here. And when I was watching it, like I knew from like the opening scene what I was getting into. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so nothing in this movie kind of broke me in the sense that I was surprised at how bad it was. But I'd say like the, the scene where I, I just completely checked out because up until that point, I was like, why, why did Katana send those guys into the future if McLeod was going to die of old age anyway? Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, why did he need to do all this stuff? And a lot of the, these story problems come down to Brian Clemens and William Panzer, the two producers, because it's just obvious that they're idiots and they shouldn't be making stories. Argentina has great wine. Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, the point where I, I completely said like, okay, I get this movie. I'm not going to overthink it anymore is when general Katana mm -hmm. crashes into that, uh, that subway train and he takes it over and everyone on it dies because they're going way too fast. Uh, I, I mean, like, I the, mean, I've seen that happen a hundred times. Yeah. That's legit. I mean, they're literally going like 800 miles an hour. I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, it's not, it's, you know, like you'd run out of track in an instant. Um, so, yeah. so, so like it, it was just so long and overblown and, and stupid. And I was just like, okay, yeah, I know what this movie is. It wore you down. Yeah, yeah it, it did. And, and so like the rest of the movie, I was just kind of like just going along with it. And it's enjoyable in the sense that of like the train wreck that it is. And then once I learned about all the behind the scenes stuff that was happening and, and you know, like the, it's the worst movie that was ever made that got the most care after it was released because like they went through and redid this movie like four different times That's interesting. Um, to, to make a semi passable bad version of it. Um, <laughs> and I've never seen that happen before. Like typically like, you, you know, you get something like the Snyder cut where like the original version was kind of disappointing. And then like you come in and, you add some extra scenes and boom, that's it. This movie went through four iterations. So what did over, we watch? Over the course of like 15 years, we watched the final version. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and so, and so like we got to see the best version of oh, this movie. Oh, good for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was still horrible. Yeah. How many stars? It, it still bad. Uh, I would give this a one star crap best. Definitely. Are you wearing yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. The, the My one, man. Yeah. One star, one star crap, crap best. best. Because this is, you know, it destroys, it pulls the last Jedi, completely destroys everything that came before it. It, it negates a lot of like the, the stuff. In fact, this movie is so bad that every other movie that came after it completely ignores it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like, like they, they just said this movie did not exist. Yeah. I'd never seen a movie coming into the third one that completely retconned and forgot that there was already a second movie made. Yeah. And we'll it's talk, crazy. We're, we're going to talk about that in the third one, but it's funny because the Highlander series I think is unique in the uh -huh. sense that every single movie in the Highlander series completely ignores the continuity from all the movies that came before it. And we're, I mean, we're talking, so like Jude and I started watching movie number four, which was called Highlander Endgame. Mm -hmm. um, and that completely ignores everything, all the, the three movies that came before it. And then the fifth movie, which is Highlander The Source, completely Wait, ignores isn't... everything that came before that. So, I, I mean, like, I've never seen a... a movie series do that before it's I gotta, like I gotta each watch movie movies. is a re reboot of the entire franchise yeah, yeah. it really is <clears throat> so yeah one star crap fest for me but um despite it being a bad movie i find it a fascinating movie to research and talk about i need to go watch these documentaries for sure yeah me, me too uh for me this is um 
I struggle to give this a one star preface. It, it would almost be an unwatchable movie <laughs> if it wasn't for my undying love for Michael Ironside. <laughs> like if he wasn't in this movie, I would say never ever watch this movie ever again. But Michael Ironside's over the top evil villain craziness is the only thing I enjoy out of this movie. Uh, the moment that lost me, I think I'm with Vader is when the stupid bird people on the dumb hovercrafts came down. I was like, Oh my God. And it looked like a Tim, <laughs> it looked like a Tim Burton movie for about 20 yeah. minutes. So I was like, yeah. I'm over it. <laughs> I hate Tim Burton with free of passion. I hate all his movies mostly. Uh, so when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. And then it just continued to get worse when they brought Sean Connery back just so he could like stop a fan. That was his big moment was he stopped a fan from mm -hmm. from turning. I was like, oh, my God, this is that was horrendous. You don't use Sean. Connery <laughs> well, that, like that. that was that was on his seventh day. And they go, <laughs> hey, guys, we need to figure out how to get Connery out of here really quick. What so. was this? What was this stupid fortune cookie that he said? Like some people know. find a, a drop of life. But if you use it all at once, you could do fantastic thing. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> shut up. It was so bad. Um, and then last thing that really took me out of it and like just completely checked out was. Um, the guy, the guy who plays Dr. Cox from Scrubs, very famous actor. He's John one C. of the Bobs. John C. McGinley. Yeah. I love him too. Uh, he was really cool in this movie, but there was a scene where he dies where Michael Ironside pushes him out of a window and it's very obviously just like a mannequin with yeah. clothes on it. And it just <laughs> falls out. I was like, oh my God, they spent $2 on that, didn't they? So this movie I, I think is... they spent 10 million Argentinian dollars. You know, what was funny, <laughs> what was yeah. funny is they were shooting at a studio in Argentina um, where they were like building a bunch of sets and stuff like that. And the original um, kind of deal with the Argentinian government was like, okay, you can rent the studio for the, the length of your production for $300,000. And so they did that. But then when they started filming there, the Argentinian government, which was totally corrupt at the time, came in and said like, oh no, you know, you can't shoot here anymore unless you pay us $10 million. And so, and so in order to just keep the production going, they had to pay like $10 million. And th this was something that I kind of experienced when I was making my movie, uh, where we were shooting in a restaurant and we agreed to, you know, buy the crew lunch there, uh, in exchange for letting us shoot at the restaurant. And then after we bought lunch, the owner was like, you guys need to get out or I'm calling the cops. And so we only had 15 minutes to shoot all the stuff that we needed to That's do. Funny. And uh, it was kind of like the same thing. And the Argentinian government, in addition to the hyperinflation, was just corrupt to the core. And they just kept doing all this, this shady stuff to this production because it was American money and they had millions of dollars to spend. So, like, they just built them for everything they were worth. It was really a, a shame. Yeah, I, I would barely struggle to give this a one-star crap fest, but that's about where it lands. Um, all right, guys, wow. that's it. That's oh, our discussion. Alex. What? You sound like a guy who's never been in an 800-a-mile-an-hour uh Subway car. Subway crash. <laughs> or like had sex in an alley after somebody's magically coming back to youngerness. Youngerness? <laughs> Youth juice. Will, will this do? Yeah. <laughs> I make up words because words don't matter. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny, like the entire Highlander fan base after seeing this movie, they they changed the there can be only one to there should be only one. <laughs> there yeah, should be only that's, one. that's very right. accurate. I can, yeah, I can see that. We need to, we need to tap into that Highlander fan base. Hey, if you guys well, are a will. super fan of Highlander, comment below and yeah. let us know. That's our discussion for Highlander Two. Uh, what is it called? The Quickening. The yes. Quickening. I didn't know there was a subtitle to it, but Highlander Two, guys. That's that's our discussion. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. Uh, right after this break, we're going to talk about the last uh, Highlander Three in this uh, uh, trilogy. Ish. Ish. Awesome. Tr trilogy. -ish. <laughs> 
Welcome back, everybody. Hey, if you'd like to uh, support the podcast and jump in and chat with us nerds, go to saltynerddiscord.com. There you can uh, find our Discord server. We have all kinds of fun in there. We have different chats for different TV shows. We've got a spoiler section if you want to talk about movies that you've seen. Uh, we've got um, a live editing sequence where I'll sit down and show you guys how we edit the podcast. Yeah, that's and all that's kinds of- riveting stuff there. I get, you know, our people enjoy that. So go to saltynerddiscord.com. Come chat with us and uh, we'll see you guys there. All right, Jude. Highlander 3. Let's get into it. What is this movie all about? 1993 Highlander 3, The Final Dimension slash The Sorcerer. It has a couple different titles. Slash The Retcon. Yeah. uh, Rated (laughs) PG-13 with a runtime of one hour, 39 minutes. So this had a budget of $26 million. What do you think this made at the box office? Uh, I'm going to go with the, the... theme that we've been following it's it made less it's gonna make 20 million dollars okay vader 12 million dollars it made 10 million dollars more than its budget so it made 36 mm. million dollars so how did this one of all of these movies succeed well, uh, mario I'll, van peebles no I'll, I'll tell you it was because of the tv series <laughs> uh, yeah, oh yeah okay. see, okay. see what happened is the tv series was popular enough where miramax got the rights to distribute these movies and uh, they marketed it based off the strength of the show's popularity. See, that's how you market. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready? Take it away, Jude. You ready for the final synopsis? The third installment of the Highlander trilogy pretends the last movie never happened. Mario Van Peebles has been in a magic slumber for 400 years, waiting to take on Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod. And he's not just an immortal. He's a magic immortal. A blonde Japanese lady finds ancient Japanese stuff from when Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod used to train with an immortal sorcerer until Kane killed him and absorbed his powers. Using the power of illusion, Kane tricks Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod and lures him to the Nightmare on Elm Street boiler room where the two swordsmen fight to the death because, let's say it together, men, there, there, can, can, be there can be only, only one. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they want to make a new movie or TV show. Yeah. Well, remember, there can be only one, except yeah. for all the other ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. But they might send from the past anytime, you know, they've yeah. been- they need a sequel to the show, right? Yeah, I feel like in each movie, there's more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. There's like three it's... in the first one, and then there's like six in the next one, and then there's like 27 in the next there's one. Like a, yeah, there's like a whole clan of them in this movie. Yeah, we tried to, this... I, we've said like, we started watching the fourth one, and there's like a thousand in the next <laughs> one. Yeah, the, the, t- awesome. the TV series basically put in way more immortals than were in the first movie. And like I said before, that this this franchise is unique in the sense that every movie in the franchise completely ignores the movies that came before it yeah. in the franchise. Yeah. Like even going to movies four and five, um, they they just completely ignore everything that came before them, and it, it's very strange. Yeah. Huh. Well, technically, this is not called Highlander Three. Yeah. No. Technically. Yeah. So I think it's just the first movie. Again, because there can be only one. Well, 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 this movie had like a couple different titles. So originally it was Highlander 3. Mm -hmm. Then it was Highlander The Final Dimension. And then it was Highlander The Sorcerer. Mm -hmm. And um, I think fans wanted to call it Highlander The Apology. (laughs) Because because it was meant to kind of like fix the issues that the second movie created. It tried. I think it was a fair shot. It's basically a remake of the first movie. Yeah. 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 
no good. Yeah, I mean, what, they yeah. replaced Sean Connery with like the, the, the Asian <laughs> sword oh, well, maker. The, yeah, they replaced him with Mako from Conan the Barbarian, the yeah. wizard. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, he's just like the same character from Conan. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, if now he's in his cave in you know Japan now. So yeah, I think it, it took me longer to watch this movie than it did to watch the second movie for some reason i was able to yeah i was able to watch the second movie and just kind of roll my eyes through it but by the time (laughs) we got by the time we got to this one i was starting to get kind of irritated and salty about this i was like jesus (laughs) how bad can you guys be so like by this movie i was completely checked out i had no um i don't know what's it no grace not grace i don't know i had Nothing to give, like no chances left to give no, for, no, the, no, for this no, franchise. No fucks left to give. <laughs> no fucks left to give. I was like, this movie is freaking garbage. I was, I checked out almost immediately as soon as I introduced the new bad guy, which I immediately yeah. was just kind of like rolled my eyes. He was just so cringy and dumb. Yeah. And, and his name and was Khan. Khan. I was just like, oh my god. Kane. Or Kane. Yeah. Whatever it was. Doesn't matter. Nice try, Kater. I was I was done. I was done with this franchise by this t- at this point. Like the first one was fun. The second one was horrible. This one I don't even want to acknowledge. I wonder <laughs> so, I wonder if Mario Van Peebles actually had fun playing this character. I kind of think he did. But still, it doesn't mean he, it was a good character. I just this movie, I was I'm a, I'm with Salty. By the time I got to this movie, I was just I was kind of checked out at this point. And I, I knew this I had seen this movie a long time ago. And it was just another one of those movies that I just kind of put in the round file and decided I probably was never going to watch again unless I had to. I wish that. And we had to this week, but man, it's just, it's dumb. It's just a dumb movie. I wish that instead of watching these three Highlander movies that we had just watched like three immortal, like fighter or barbarian movies. Like, I think that would have been a, a funner week than this, because like by the by the third one, I was just kind of like, did I like the first one now? I can't remember. <laughs> right. and, and, and it was funny because we kept like we didn't know that the movies kind of ignored the continuity of the previous yeah. ones. And so we, we, we kept, kept trying to figure it out. Yeah, because this one came out in 1994, which is when in the second movie, the Earth ozone started to disappear and people yeah. started. So dying. we were like looking for the ozone part of the movie. And we were like, wait, mm-hmm. where's Brenda dying? Oh, you yeah. know, they, they completely uh-huh. abandoned that second movie. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's great. And they should have. But. And, and it was funny because in the second movie, Brenda died from solar radiation poisoning. And basically she died. She had got cancer from it and she died in, um, you know, in this like weird hospital. And in this movie, they were like, oh, no, she died in a car crash. Yeah. And it's just like, wait, what? And now, and now he's got a son in this one that an, we've never an adopted. Son. Yeah. We've never seen before. And then in the next one. He doesn't have a son. Yeah, and in, the, and in in the first movie, he you know he won the prize and he could feel his connection to everyone on the planet Earth. But in this movie, it turns out that he didn't kill all the immortals. There were still three left, including Mario Van Peebles, who were just like chilling out in a cave magic, for like magic years. slumber. Yeah, yeah. And and ba- basically, it's like, well, wait, if if he didn't actually win the prize, mm-hmm. then how could he have experienced that at the end of the first movie? Right. So like, th- there was just like a ton of stuff in this film that like if you didn't know that they were completely ignoring all the movies that came before it, you were just like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. It was frustratingly uh, bad in all aspects. It was frustratingly I, I, frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I did not give a crap about the villain. Um, I didn't think Same. he was all that good. He was kind yeah. of like generic. Oh, I'm going to have a gravelly voice and be like super evil for, for whatever reason. 
uh, the fight scenes weren't really that fun. The one point that really kind of broke me, and I think this will be the, the moment where it's like, I just, I mean, it's probably later on in the movie too, but I just completely checked out was when he kidnapped McLeod's son from the airport <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and then like took him on like a terror ride down the yeah. runway and like he illusioned like a 777 freaking jumbo jet out of thin air. I was just like, this is so stupid. It was so slapstick. And, and it was a complete ripoff of what Clancy Brown did to, oh, yeah. to Brenda yeah. uh-huh. in the first movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, what but, I want to know, what I want to know is how they can break out of their, the cave that's been buried underground for however many years. And they immediately know how to speak English mm-hmm. and communicate with everybody. Um, they're, 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 he, Mario Van Peebles, you know, knows how to drive a car, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, how did that happen? Um, you know, just stupid. Like when the one henchman goes to New York City from Japan, <laughs> he's still wearing the same clothes. He's speaking English perfectly, walking through the hospital to people. It's just you, stuff like that just annoys the yeah, crap you, out of you me. You know, when that hitchman showed up in New York, I turned to Judah. I was like, wait, how did that guy go from Japan yeah. to New York? Like, how did he get there? Yeah, the travel was real, was also very season eight Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. With like this going to Scotland and then she follows him to Scotland and then they're back in New York. It just mm-hmm. happened like that. Like you, you think a, like a raven flew him. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just, this movie is kind of insulting to be honest with you i just they they expect us as viewers to just believe and forget so much about what we liked about the first movie and even if this is supposed to be the actual sequel to the first movie it's still just a disrespectful pile of garbage it's just it the the way these writers can can just uh throw away and pick and choose things what they want to touch on and and mess with things it's just it's just it's crazy to me i i just don't i don't understand how how something like this would even get made and in the directions yeah. they took these stories it's 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 not good it's it's, it's awful like the the second movie we all agreed was like a one-star crevice really really oh. bad movie but the only for me personally the only redeeming quality was that i love michael ironside as a bad guy yeah mm-hmm. this movie this movie didn't even have that no mm-hmm. this is the least like, enjoyable bad guy yeah like I, yeah. i've never liked mario van peebles but i guess christopher lambert worked with him on the movie called gunman they got along really well and so when i think he was big in the 90s when, too. when, when they brought him back for this movie he was like hey you should cast Mario Van Peebles is the bad guy uh, <laughs> because he's my buddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I've never enjoyed Mario Van Peebles in anything I've, what, what I've seen he, him in. What does he even do now? He, he looks like a guy that would have played like a, a disposable bad guy in like a Predator movie. <laughs> I, I, I actually think he got into directing because his dad was like a famous like black filmmaker. And that was the whole reason why he was able to kind of break into the business to begin with. Cause I don't think he's very talented, but he was basically just doing a Clancy Brown impression this, this entire movie. Yeah. IMDB yeah. says that he's a highly regarded director. Yeah. Hmm. I think he transitioned into behind the camera stuff cause his acting career wasn't really good, doing very well for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's busy. He does a lot of stuff. That's good. Good for him. Good. Yeah, um, but, but Russell Mulcahy didn't want to come back for this one. So they brought in another kind of like music video director to do it. And um, his name was Andrew Morahan. And this guy hasn't really done anything of note. Um, but the thing that killed me in this movie, like Alex, you talked about moments that broke us. Mm-hmm. So in the climactic final fight between um, Kane and Connor McLeod. Of Clan McLeod. Of Clan McLeod. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> uh, it's all, it's not set to an operatic score. Mm -hmm. It's set to a generic version of Motley Crue's Dr. Feel Good. <laughs> And it is the most out of place music uh -huh. to be playing during a climactic sword yes. fight that I've ever seen. I was like, I was listening. I'm like, I know that song. What is that song? It's like a generic shitty version of a more famous song. Thank you. It's Motley Crue. Yeah, I was gonna, it's, it's, I'm it's, like, it's Motley Crue's Dr. Feel Good. It feels like it's he, like the ringtone of, of Dr. Yeah, Feel Good. It, 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 it feels like, you, you know, those pre-programmed songs in the Casio keyboard where uh -huh. you hit a button yeah. and it's like, doo, yeah, doo, yeah. Doo, doo, doo. like, like it felt like that because it didn't have any of like, you, you know, the, the lyrics to it or anything like that, but it was, it was the melody and you're just sitting there like, why are they playing this song of all the songs uh, over this fight it's scene? the one you call Dr. Feel Good. Yeah, yeah, it's like this really so up, it's this really up tempo kind of like song, and it doesn't feel like it belongs there at all. Like this whole movie <laughs> suffers from that. It's kind of like um, you know Ma Mako, the the sorcerer at the beginning, wanted Connor McCloud to kill him so he could <laughs> inherit his his um, illusion powers. Mm -hmm. And then when Kane comes and gains his illusion powers, um, he uses them against Connor McCloud throughout the whole movie. And when Connor McCloud finally kills him it's assumed that he now has the power of illusion because you're supposed to kind of absorb all the knowledge and powers of all the people previously. But then in the fourth movie, it's like, didn't he, happen. He, he doesn't have any of his illusion power. Like he, <laughs> he doesn't have his son, any yeah. of his wives. I think Heather is consistent through the movies, but that's it. Uh, no other woman in any of the movies is maybe, uh, continuous. Maybe the child, just... the, Oh, the, um, assistant comes back in the, in the, fourth, in the fourth movie, one. but she's, she's missing from, from the, the first one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she was the little girl that he saved from the Nazis right. um, in the first movie, but then like she's gone for movies two and, two three. and three. Yeah. Uh, she comes back for the fourth one only to get killed off immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but Deborah Unger is the uh, love interest in this one. And it's kind of like James Bond. Since every movie, he gets like a, a new blonde love interest. Uh -huh. And uh, again, he, once she finds out he says, he's immortal, my name is Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod. Also, don't you think he sounds exactly like Jean-Claude Van Damme? <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's got that Jean-Claude Van Damme cadence. But the minute yeah. the minute he, he says his line, I, I can't die, she, like, she's, she's like, Hard me. cut to them naked in bed. Yeah. I think this one, honestly, is probably... Playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think this might have the best sex scene, or at least the most one that's the most revealing. Um, she was like, like sprawling out with her... Boobs all out I, in the air. I, I, I told you that it looked like um, a, a love scene directed by um, Tommy Wiseau. It really did. <laughs> really did. With like like the candles and like the 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 cloth in front. And Deborah Unger refused to use a body double, so that's really her in, in the scene. Nice. Uh, looks good. Doing everything, but yeah, yeah. Like, like it felt like doing a, everything. It, it was a very '90s sex scene. Yeah, I'll say yeah. that much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, I'll, give, and, I'll give it a half star for that. Sure. And, yeah. and, and they, they completely Han Soloed uh, Connor McLeod because he's just the worst father ever. Yeah. Uh, like, like he just didn't call his son. Just like, you know. His son is so, it's so sad because his son leaves him a, a voicemail and he's like, hey, it's me, John. Your son. <laughs> said you were going to call me. Remember you adopted me? <laughs> yeah, he, he's like, it's he's terrible. like the worst father ever. Yeah, it's so sad. And, and, and like when he finds out that um that Kane had deceived Connor into coming into to New York 
not Connor, uh, his son John. come to New York, John, John McLeod of Clan McLeod. In, instead of calling someone and being like, Hey, can you get my son at the airport? I'm going to try to make it there as soon as possible or, or sending his friend to go after him. Huh. Uh, he, he's just like, okay, I, I'm just going to wait until I show up at the airport and hopefully I can get to my son in time. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was that weird scene where, um, so like, uh, he goes to New York for the first time and he's mugged in an alley and left for dead. And he goes to the hospital and the, the doctors go to treat him. They're like, Oh, this guy's fine. And he starts like acting like a crazy person. He's like, I got to get out of here. And then they put him in a mental ward. Uh -huh. And it's like, he's died like so many times. Like you think he'd wake up and just be like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Like I wasn't hurt as bad as you thought I was. I'm just going to steal a doctor was, jacket was, and just mosey on down in the elevator. I was picking up some 12 monkeys vibes. Right Same. Yeah. 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 Except 12 monkeys yeah. is actually good. Yeah, uh, except for that. Yeah. And and the funny thing, like there's a fight scene in this movie, which is the most ridiculous fight scene I think I've ever seen in oh, a film. Oh, which one are you referring to? So <laughs> in, in the middle of the movie, they go to the Japanese cultural center mm -hmm. where uh, Connor McLeod is basically like practicing his sword fighting. Are you sure that's not a gymnastics center? You'd think so. like Or like a circus training center? Well, apparently it's holy ground. So one of the rules for the immortals is like you can never fight on holy ground. Mm. <laughs> and it, it, ah, the holy circus of medieval <laughs> times. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm familiar. And, and it doesn't matter what denomination, like as long as someone considers that ground holy, like mm. you can't fight there. And so Connor McLeod goes to this Japanese cultural center to practice his sword fighting because there's a, a Buddhist shrine there, which means that it's holy ground. And when... Uh, when Kane shows up to confront him, he's like, we can't fight here. It's holy ground. He's like, I don't see a church anywhere. And so they start fighting. And as they're fighting, they go into this like weird, like circus training center with like a trapeze and, and, and trampolines Swingy and stuff. Things. Yeah. And so like they're jumping on trampolines up onto scaffolding. Then they're like grabbing these trapeze swinging swings and, and they're like hitting each other's swords as they're swinging by and it's the most ridiculous thing and it's shot so terribly like you can't really tell what's going on cotton candy out of nowhere <laughs> somebody's comes in with a corn dog yeah like the special effects in this movie were just so bad and it was so poorly shot the balloon animals were great though everything in this movie was just poorly done and yeah, and, yeah you could yeah. tell like nobody gave two fucks while making this movie <laughs> sure yeah all right well i think we've pretty much covered this movie i don't think anybody's opinion is going to change over the next couple of minutes but vader um worst moment in this movie and give it a rating <laughs> the oh, the worst moment the worst yeah, oh, give me man, a minute. i was <laughs> i was all ready for my favorite scene of the movie which you was, have a favorite well it's just the mako stuff because i like mako but um the worst scene of this movie dude i <sighs> I gotta, I gotta start writing this stuff down. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just a bad movie. It just, it, it took, it just took me out of it almost from, from the get go. You know, just, just the, the weird inconsistencies with the first movie and stuff. It's just, it's just, it's just another hot garbage sequel mm. to a really good movie. It's just, it's no good. It's, if, if I have to give it a rating, I'm gonna give it, uh, I'm gonna give it a half star for boobs. So I'll go, I'll go one and a half, you know, it's not quite as bad as that other tire fire that we just watched, but, uh, it's almost as bad. So do so you yeah. think number two is better than number three? I think this one's a little better than the other one, hmm. but yeah. So wow. four stars, one star, one and a half stars. That's in that order. Okay. All right. On a whole, would you suggest people go watch the Highlander trilogy? No. Go watch the first movie and don't worry about anything. It, it's else. a it's a pentology, Alec. 
Oh my oh, god! Stop. We're gonna. Just we're stop. all gonna kill you. <laughs> what? There are five movies in the series. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jude. Just uh, watch the first one. Sure. Least favorite moment. Give this one a rating and on a, on a whole the, the franchise as a whole. Okay, so. God, it's so hard because I feel like the second one is a worse movie, but I enjoyed it more than I liked this one. Like this one, I think was just boring and it's my least enjoyable bad guy, which was kind of like the best parts of the other two. So it, overall, I think it's it's I gave the the second one two stars. I'm going to do the same for this one because it's kind of like they're balanced as far as like it's not a dumpster fire, but it's also not laughable at all. It's just boring and mm-hmm. not worth a watch at all. It's very forgettable for me. So mm-hmm. it's also um, two um, magic slumbers out of five magic slumbers, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and would you suggest people go watch this? Absolutely uh, not. Movies? Absolutely no. not. Watch just the, the first, first one? one watch the first okay. one maybe watch the second one if you if you want to see something that's like laughable and <laughs> absurd and not good but you you go into it knowing it's not good maybe watch that one that's not even a full recommendation but like hmm. by the third one you're just gonna hate yourself so don't don't do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right katish how about you bud yeah this is a one star crap fest um it's a blatant uh, retcon of the series and it's one of those things where, um, you know, it disrespects the franchise in the sense that it just completely ignores everything that came before it. Um, it's a boring movie. The villains are dumb. Um, the writing's dumb. The action's dumb. Everything in this movie's dumb. Yeah. Um, at least the second movie had some interesting stuff in it, like some interesting set pieces. They were trying new things. Um, the second movie was still bad, but it was enjoyably bad. This movie wasn't enjoyable at all. It was just kind of like they were trying to rehash some of the best stuff from the first movie and they didn't do a very good job of it. So yeah, one star crap best. I'd say like watch the first one. If you want to enjoy the series, watch the second one. If you want to laugh at the series and quit there because yeah. everything <laughs> that comes after the second one just isn't worth it. Yeah. Mm. yeah for me, uh, I think this movie in particular is just straight up no stars it's not good in any way there's not a good villain there's not a good fight scene there's not an enjoyable kind of like campy laugh aspect to it it's it's just bad all around mm-hmm. um i i actively hated this movie while i was watching it <laughs> i i had to take a break i stopped halfway through and i was like i gotta go watch something else i went and watched a different tv show and then i came back and finished the second half of this and i was just like Good God, man. Like, it doesn't get any better. Uh, I think the moment that really broke me, because you guys know I hate kids in movies. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. this movie's bad already, but then they add the stupid kid aspect to it. And then oh, they're like, awful. they're traumatizing him by driving him around an airport. And the, the bad guy's just manically laughing for 15 minutes. I just, I was like, good. Oh God, I hate this movie so much. Yeah. Um, no stars, not even worth it. It's I, I know there's a decent enough like boobs in this movie, but it's not even worth watching. You're you're gonna hate yourself for that for that like three minute part. You're gonna hate the rest of the movie, so don't even bother. <laughs> that, uh, part, yeah. that part wasn't even that good. So. It wasn't even that good. It's just it's a zero star movie. Don't it even acknowledges existence. Don't watch it. <laughs> uh, franchise as a whole, I'm with you guys. I think we're all in consensus on this one. The first movie, great. Second movie's funny, laughable. 
and then that's it. Just stop there. Don't yeah. even bother with this third one. Um, all right, guys, that's it. That's our discussion for the Highlander movies. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be talking about uh, what are you guys talking? About? I'm going to be gone next week. What are you guys? Uh, what's shitty space movies. We're talking about shitty space movies. Shitty space movies. So tune in next week, guys. We'll have some fun with that. I'm going to be gone. I'm on my that's 10 year debatable. anniversary trip. So <laughs> I'll be MIA, but I think Tom is coming in to replace me mm-hmm. uh, for to fill in the seat. And then after that, we're going to have the Star Trek convention. So we have a really busy August, but uh, stay tuned, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Share this video with your friends and uh, comment below what you think of the Highlander trilogy or quad. What is it called? Pentology. Pentology. Comment below what you think of the Highlander Pentology. And uh, And before we get out of here. Wait, if you've watched all of the Highlander movies, you got to say something in the comments. (laughs) Like, what is your life? Are you okay? <laughs> Do you have a job? No. <laughs> Is there anybody that likes this movie? That's what I want to know. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. All right. Uh, Vader, before we get out of here, where can they find you on the socials, bud? Uh, you can find me at MattVader74 on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, for the most part, and uh, on Discord, at our Discord as well, saltynerddiscord.com. I'm in there a lot now and uh, hanging out doing things yep right on all right and jude where can they find you at you can find me at i am jude juju on instagram twitter and tiktok i'm not really on uh twitter that much but you can catch me on instagram i'm i'm on there a lot i'll respond right on. unless you unless you hit me with well hello there I'm just going to delete you. What if they're like, my name is Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod? I'll probably try to bang them through my phone. I don't know how that's going to work, but I believe in magic. It's a certain kind of magic. That can be only one. Is this wall okay? That'll do. Is this wall okay? That'll do. I'm Matthew Kadish, where can they find you? You can find me at Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H on Twitter and KadishBooks.com will take you to my Amazon page. And I'm your host, The Salty Nerd. You guys can catch me on our Discord channel at SaltyNerdDiscord.com. And uh, I'll be there chatting it up and hanging out with our other Patreon members and other uh, listeners of the podcast. So jump in there and hang out. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. for One more thing. Yeah, go ahead, V. Um, Saturday mornings. Come to this YouTube channel, hang out with me and uh, Matt, and maybe with some one of you guys one of these days. We we stream some games and hang out and interact with our chat every Saturday morning around yeah. ten ten thirty. And thanks to everyone who's been uh, popping in on the chat while you guys have been live streaming. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's fun. Yep. Yeah, we're okay. growing the ch- we're growing the channel. We're we're uh, expanding our uh, content. So if you like yeah. watching video games, go join Vader. If you like watching editing videos, you can come join me on I, Discord. I don't. I don't know if they're really enjoying watching me play video games because I do it very poorly, <laughs> but we, we do have a good time hanging out. Matt comes in and we chit chat and talk about nerd stuff and you right know, stuff with stuff we don't talk about here on the show too. So yeah. Right on. All right, everybody. Thank you guys very much for watching and uh, stay tuned next week and stay salty. My friends. Mm-hmm.